0: golden state warriors basketball
1: stolen by curry curry driving with wall back goes reverse with a left hand it was sweet
0: this is warriors roundtable with the voice of the warriors tim roy anthony davis to ryan anderson he'll step
1: out fires it short curry has the rebound lead to lee breakaway lee with a slam golden state on top timeout hornets David Lee with a right-hand slam gives Golden State a 33-32 lead. Jared Jack takes the inbounds, curls right down the lane, catches the Hornets napping and gets an easy teardrop to make it 79-72. What would you say his teardrop percentage is? Oh, it's got to be in the 70s. Yeah, it's got to be in the 70s. I mean, he rarely misses that shot. Again, another great night for David Lee as well for Jarrett Jack. David Lee with 23 points, 16 rebounds, a plus 18 on the evening. Uh, Jarrett Jack off the bench was a plus 20, 19 points and 8 assists. Steph Curry had 20 points and 9 assists. And the Warriors knock off the New Orleans Hornets 98-88. to 88, And in so doing, keep their one-game lead over the Houston Rockets for the race for the number 6 spot in the Western Conference playoff push. Hi, everybody, Tim Roy, and once again, we ask you to take a seat around the Warriors roundtable. Coming up this hour, we'll have a conversation with Warriors rookie Harrison Barnes. I sat down with Harrison to talk about his progress this year, about heading toward the playoffs in his rookie season, his use of social media, and who are the class clowns on the Golden State Warriors roster. Later on this hour, i will answer some of your questions on Warriors Vox. it's V O X on Twitter, or you can send me an email at T-Roy, T-R-O-Y-E, at warriors.com we'll also check in with reporter sam amick of usa today he's been covering the relocation situation involving the sacramento kings yesterday was a big day in that process and we'll find out if sacramento or seattle has taken a step ahead in this process. And later on, what a treat. From NBA TV, Hall of Famer Isaiah Thomas will talk about the postseason. And I'm going to try to get him to talk a little bit about the bad boys. You know, next year will be the 25th anniversary of the first Detroit Pistons World Championship. It's all this hour. It's going to be a great show here at the Warriors Weekly Roundtable on KMBR 680, the sports leader. And don't miss the excitement of the Warriors' playoff push this Sunday, April 7th, big ball game. The Warriors take on the Utah Jazz. Now heading into tomorrow night's game with Phoenix, the magic number for the Golden State Warriors is three. So on Sunday, the first 19,000 fans receive a free Warriors t-shirt courtesy of of bug zappers limited tickets are still available go to warriors.com slash dynamic deal or call one triple a gsw hoop and press one so sunday could be an historic night for the Golden State Warriors. I'm Tim Roy. When we return on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable, Harrison Barnes will tell us about his rookie season. And I have to tell you, it's really been a pleasure watching him over the last two months take a step forward in his NBA career. He's next on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Lee in the bounce, cuts off, and takes the hand baseline to the rack, jammed it,
0: and We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Goodness. Are you serious? Wow. I are, you are know you, it is? Are you for The Black Falcon. Whoa. You flew on that one. That's ah. a falcon
1: with some power. My gosh. Wow. Well, here on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable, a pleasure to welcome in Warriors rookie Harrison Barnes. as Golden State heading down to the Valley of the Sun to take on the Phoenix Suns on Friday night. And the Harrison, I, I guess uh, it's got to be a pretty exciting time. The team's in a, in a real good spot for for the playoffs uh you guys are playing better basketball now than say maybe a month or so ago it's, it's got to be a pretty uh, exciting time
2: yeah you know it's been you know such a great season just to you know be a part of this team um just to see where this hard work has gotten us and, and hopefully we just want to finish out strong so you know we can have an opportunity to play in the playoffs
1: what's it what's it been like for you what's your rookies if someone goes how's your rookie season going what do you tell them
2: uh the two words that come to my mind are fun and unexpected. Um it's been just so much fun obviously, you know, getting to know this team, getting to know these coaches. Um my whole NBA experience has just been great because of them. And then just the unexpected success that we've had. Um you know, coming into the season, you know, we had a lot of question marks about, you know, what we were going to do, um uh, which guys were going to be healthy, you know, how were guys going to develop into their roles and you know, it's just it's turned out so well, and just in terms of guys coming together, the chemistry that we have, the ability that we have to go out there and just play, and you know we've been able to get wins and have some you know some success so far.
1: It seems like the a part of that is that you guys really have a lot of fun together. It, it, you know, I've been around the NBA a long time, and this is one of the i guess most together groups that i've seen it seems like you guys all get along and you all like hanging out like playing ball with each other
2: yeah i, I would describe our locker room as a bunch of clowns um <laughs> you know we we get along so well Um, we have so much fun together just you know on and off the court um we hang out a lot off the court and i think that just really helps us and it's just the vibe i think that coach jackson has tried to instill
1: okay we name names who are the who are the best clowns on the team
2: <laughs> oh man! I mean, everyone's got you know their own sense of humor. I think you know probably top three sarcastic uh, is probably you know Richard Jefferson, you know Coach Jackson, and myself. Um, you know, just flat out funny people are probably you know David Lee, Steph, Jared, Jack. Um, you know the people that you know kind of gas the situations. You know I have to throw Draymond in there. Um, you know Ken likes to gas a little bit. Bogut is huge, um, huge gasser. And then the person that probably takes the jokes the least well um, is probably Festus. <laughs>
1: why, why do you think that is?
2: <laughs> oh, I don't know, man. I mean, you got to have thick skin in our locker room, and sometimes he can be a little – early on in the season he was a little sensitive, but he, he started to come around.
1: Yeah, I guess that's part of, that's part of it too. You know, it, it's just learning uh, uh, how your teammates will, will treat you. Are, are there any practical jokers on the team?
2: everybody I mean (laughs) it's it's not just one person I mean it's everybody and um, you know I think that's I think that's what just keeps it such a loose atmosphere around here
1: we're talking with Harrison Barnes it's the Warriors weekly roundtable Warriors and Suns tomorrow night uh, down the valley of the sun Harrison uh, it's obviously it's a NCAA tournament time final four coming up this weekend Uh, Have your thoughts drifted back to your your year at Carolina and and uh, some of the uh, ups and downs you went through there
2: Yeah, it has. Um, You know, the NCAA tournament is just such a fun experience as a college player. I mean, just to be able to play in that. I mean, there's just so much attention there. Um, It's kind of like the big stage, um, a big moment to play in. So, you know, I was obviously privileged enough to play in there for two years. But this year it's just been a lot of, you know, exciting basketball, a lot of ups and downs. um, You know, a few bad injuries. You know, obviously no prayers up to, you know, um, Kevin Ware for his injury. But, you know, it's, it's just been a lot of fun to watch.
1: Yeah, that was a, a, a really tough moment. And uh, just on a, on a little aside, uh, the I thought CBS did a great job with it the other day, not to show the replay over and over again. So we didn't have to go through that. It's just a real, real tough thing. And in the NBA, I guess you'd compare it maybe to Sean Livingston's knee injury a few years ago. That was a real tough one. Do you feel it when you see something or see a guy go down like that? Do you kind of cringe a little bit?
2: No question. I mean... You know, at the end of the day, I mean, this is a game. And, I mean, it's just its just so unfortunate, you know, to just see that kind of injury, not only for, you know, for him and his career, but just, you know, potentially, you know, if someone's livelihood, you know, is on the line. And, I mean, just long-term injuries, you know, if a guy may not be able to walk or may have, you know, lifelong, you know, repercussions from that injury, it's just, it's just always tough to see.
1: When you look at the, the tournament, other than, say, obviously Carolina, do you have a – be a soft spot for uh, Iowa State.
2: Yeah, I'll probably say the other two teams <clears throat> I kind of kept up with were, you know, Iowa State and Creighton. Iowa State obviously because I have, you know, a lot of respect for, you know, Fred Horberg and the job he's done there. Plus, you know, Iowa State is the hometown. And then uh Creighton for my other high school teammate, um, Doug mcdermott uh, who's having who had uh, a tremendous season. Um was up there for, you know, a ton of national player of the year boards and I was able to bring his turn- team to the tournament twice.
1: Which is more special to you in terms of your college memories? When you you were in the ACC tournament, you put up forty as a freshman against Clemson, or the following year in your sophomore year when you had twenty three in the ACC championship game, or or is there another game that you that sticks out for you?
2: Oh man, it's tough. I w- but I would probably say best game or games um I remember as a college player were um the end of the regular season, both years when we won the a c c championship I thought that was regular season a c c championship I thought those were great times um you know both years it was two different stories one year you know we fell out of the top twenty five and worked our way back up and the next year we were ranked high and just you know we're trying to just you know stay at that you know that top level, but you know I think both those games were a lot of fun for me.
1: Do you miss uh, anything from college days?
2: Uh, I miss my teammates and the people at UNC. I think, um, you know, I personally think it's the best university in the world. Um, The people there were great. And, you know, my teammates, I mean, those are my brothers for life. Um, Went through a lot with those guys. So, you know, obviously anxious to see them in the summer.
1: Do you have are you going to go back and, and, and try to get your degree over the next couple of summers?
2: Well, my, my, my plan is to, you know, get my degree at some point in time. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to go back and do summer school um, Right. this specific summer. You know, I just got out of school, so.
1: Yeah, might yeah. be time might be time for a break, too. <laughs> you know, it's a long season. It's a long season.
2: Yeah, but, you know, right now, I mean, that, those are those are a long way away. And I'm just trying to just focus right now on just this season.
1: Harrison, let's talk a little bit about uh, athletes now. And, and we were talking before we started taping a little bit about this. How's how social media? You think changing the way you interact with fans, and how is it changing? You think the people's perception of athletes?
2: Um, you know, I think it. I mean, it's daylight and darkness from when I was when I was growing up. I mean, that sounds crazy because obviously I'm only 20. But for example, you know, just looking at you know Kevin Ware's situation. I mean, just seeing all the support. I mean, via you know social media that you know. You know he has had. I mean, without social media, you know he gets hurt. You know he just kind of—I don't know how he would feel. But it's like you know when you see that constantly. You know everybody's constantly praying for him and you know kind of coming to his aid and just—it's just so much different now than what it used to be.
1: Yeah, you know I could say I guess when you're a guy like a kid like Kevin Warren, you're in a hospital bed and and you're seeing you know tweets from. Uh, not only uh, other coaches, other players that you've played against, but even a guy like LeBron James took time out to tweet about it. Uh, you know, it, it's 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 totally different. But do you find you're, you're maybe interacting with, with fans differently uh, than maybe, say, you know, if it was just you going to a game or going to different events to meet with fans? Do you find out that you, you kind of make, make more fans because you have Twitter and you have uh, Facebook and all this other stuff?
2: Yeah, I think probably the biggest thing is that any you know tweet that any fan wants to say goes directly to the athlete now um you know a lot of times before you know you really didn't have much interaction with fans other than when you were at the game signing autographs or whatever but now people can you know get on the internet and they can you know ask a question directly to you know lebron james kobe Bryant. they can ask a question right to you personally and you know they see it you know you can choose to reply you can choose to you know you know, have ask, have fans ask questions for you, you know, that they want to know rather than what, you know, the media asks. So I think, it's, I think it's good. People can interact that way.
1: Do you like it? Do you, do you enjoy the the banter with the fans?
2: Um, I do. Um, I, I enjoy the good and the bad, personally, you know. I, I not only respond to the good, you know, I respond to the bad. You know, I like to have some fun on there. Um, sometimes people don't understand my sarcasm, but, you know, it's something that, you know, hopefully they'll learn over time.
1: Over time, it's only only your rookie year. Harrison Barnes, my guest. I'm Tim Roy of the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. Let's get to talk a little basketball. You, you mentioned the word unexpected as far as your first year in the NBA. Uh, what has surprised you about the NBA about about playing in the NBA?
2: I would say the intensity post All Star break. Um, you know, I think it's really ramped up a notch. You know, guys are playing a lot harder now, kind of getting ready for their playoff push. Um, kind of trying to get into form, and, you know, that, that's been a real surprise for me.
1: Tell me about your game. Obviously, it seems like, Harrison, that, you know, with, with a team that has guys that can shoot like Steph and Clay, they're going to get some shots, but it seems like, you know, you're picking your spots when the team needs you to score uh, a little bit more now coming down the stretch, and, and, and are, you, are you more comfortable on the floor now than maybe you were in November?
2: Well, no question, I feel much more comfortable now than I did in November, but uh, my role is just, it's it's always changing, it's constantly changing, Um, but the biggest thing is just always making sure that when I'm in the game, um, you know, I'm playing, you know, solid defense and, you know, I'm just giving maximum effort, whether that's multiple effort plays, whether that's, you know, rebounding, running the floor, getting through picks, setting screens, you know, hustle plays, because... You know, this team is obviously gifted with, you know, so many great scorers and Steph and Clay and David Lee. So, I mean, just doing all the little things to make sure that we win is also very important.
1: How has uh, Andrew Bogut changed this team?
2: Ooh, I mean, seven-foot shot blocker who... (laughs) With a little bit of... nastiness, Yeah, Yeah, I mean, it's... (laughs) I mean, he changed the whole dynamic of our team. But, I mean, it's so good to just be out there with a guy like that who, you know, is so unselfish. You know, he can... And definitely get guys involved. Wants to get guys involved, um, and can also affect the game defensively.
1: And it's it's going to get players like you and Steph and Clay a lot of easy baskets because now you've got uh, a guy that can pass at the five and also at the four. And that's that really to me on offense. And I think you know we're just starting to see it now. It really it's going to open up the floor for everybody because those guys are not only passers; they're willing passers.
2: I know. As, as as soon as the Warriors find a small forward who can pass the rock, I mean, you know, they'll have five people on the court who can pass the ball.
1: <laughs> I think I think they've got one. I think they've got oh, one right now. Good. They just, you know, it's 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 yeah, it's one of those deals. It's it's uh, it's it's interesting though. I think uh, you know, that that to me also is a sign of a team with chemistry and when you guys share the ball so well, everybody, you know, uh, I, I think the Warriors are probably one of the teams that have the least amount of. Uh, forced shots, if you will, in their offensive repertoire, because it just it, it just seems that you guys are constantly uh, looking for that next play to make, and, and, and it's fun to watch.
2: Yeah, and it's been, you know, it's a lot of fun to just be out here. Um, but obviously, you know, we want our season to go on longer than just the regular season, so, you know, we're trying to focus in on that and, you know, trying to accomplish that.
1: Well, I hope, uh, hope to see you uh, having some great success on the floor uh, tomorrow night in Phoenix and, of course, uh, on to the, to the postseason, which I have a very good vibe about. And, and you're talking about how it gets ramped up. It goes up even another level uh, when you get to the postseason. And I think the Warriors are going to be a fun team to watch in the NBA playoffs this year. And I thank you so much for your time today, and I appreciate the conversation. And it's great to have you on the ball club, and, and best of luck.
2: Thanks for having me on.
1: Warriors forward Harrison Barnes, if you missed any or part of this conversation or including any of our conversations that we have on Warriors Radio, go to soundcloud.com backslash warriors and you can download and listen to any of the interviews that we have for you. We'll also have audio pregame and postgame and also from shootarounds and practices. It's a great place to keep yourself updated and informed about the Golden State Warriors. You can see the Warriors continue their push to the playoffs this Tuesday, April 9th, when they take on the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Warriors and eSurance are encouraging fans to go green, carpool, or take Bart to the game that night. Go to warriors.com slash go green or call 1-888-GSW-HOOP and press option number 1. Well, Jerry Jack and Carl Landry helped out the Alameda County Food Bank. We'll tell you about that in a moment. We'll also answer your questions on Warriors Vox, Warriors VOX on Twitter and Hall of Famer Isaiah Thomas, all upcoming here on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. KBR 680, The Sports Leader. Man, oh he got the rebound. top of Clay Thompson for 3. Yes.
0: We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. As you know, on the Warriors
1: Weekly Roundtable, we always try to point out... How the Warriors are helping make the Bay Area a better place to live. And recently, in partnership with Lucky Supermarkets, they helped raise funds and food donations. They went right to the Alameda County Community Food Bank. It was a great event, and all you had to do was buy a Lucky reusable grocery bag, along with $5 worth of canned good items that were donated to the food bank. Carl Landry, along with Jared Jack, the Warrior Girls, were all there signing autographs, posing for pictures. I had a chance to talk with Carl Landry and asked him about attending this event. And what it meant to him.
3: It's important because, you know, we've been blessed and given the opportunity to give back, uh, in many different type of ways and uh we just trying to do the best we can to fight against hunger in Alameda County.
1: When you look at the situation that you're in, do you think it's 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 that kind of maybe almost a responsibility for you to help those in need?
3: It's not, you know, our responsibility but it's something that, you know, I enjoy doing. Uh it's a lot of hungry families out there that, you know, need a little help, and we understand that every little bit helps. And uh, like I said, we've been placed in a position to do so, and this is something that, you know, uh, me, along with Jerry Jack, you know, uh, really likes to do, and we enjoy doing it. So uh, we're going to try to give back the best we can.
1: Carl Landry, Jared Jack, and the Golden State Warriors giving back to the Bay Area.
4: This is, it's a tremendous boost to, for the food bank. We
3: rely on these community partners and partnerships like this with the Golden State Warriors and Lucky Foods is critical, not only to get, get the word out, but also to lead uh, the other members in our community to engage in, in the work that we're doing. Well, it means a lot to me, you know, I mean, without our fans, without the community, we have nothing, you know, and uh, they're always at the game supporting us, and it definitely feels good to, to get back out in the community and support the community as well.
4: The face of hunger may surprise a lot of people. There's a lot of kids who go to school hungry, go to bed hungry, and so we're doing this so that we can raise food and money for the Alameda County Food Bank. Well, when you look at the line of people that are lined up outside who have donated bags of food, that's saying what the community really thinks about donating and helping here in the community that they live in, that they care, and we're so glad that they care because we care, and so that comes full circle for everyone.
3: It's just tremendous, you know, uh, being partnered up with a group such as this, you know, just making sure everybody's fed. You know, it's crazy how many families go uh, without proper nourishment. It's a great thing, I think, for the NBA Golden State Warriors to partner it up with such a group such as them. We were placed in uh, a position, you know, to give back. And uh, anytime I have an opportunity, as well as you know, Jared Jack and the rest of my teammates, uh, you know, we're all for it. And uh, that's what this this event is all about: is, is giving back to the Alameda County, uh, and you know, doing whatever we can with the Alameda County Food Bank, as well as Lucky's uh, has joined in to help. And uh, it's just out here having a bunch of fun. They're more than just fans here. You know, they're, they're really a service to their own community, which speaks volumes about the people here. And uh, I'm just happy we're able to kind of help out and do our part as well.
0: Shoots over him. It's up a good. Harrison Barnes can feel it right now. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable.
1: We continue here on Warriors Box. We'll be answering your questions in just a couple of moments. Get Warriors B-O-X on Twitter. Let's go to the news of the day in the NBA. It was actually news yesterday as in New York, the groups for Seattle and for Sacramento met with an NBA joint committee uh, to give their proposals about either keeping the Kings in Sacramento under new ownership or uh, selling it to the Hedge fund manager Chris Hansen's group that will b- bring the Kings to Seattle and of course make them the Sonics. And joining us right now, Sam Amick from USA Today, and and uh, Sam, it's really kind of a, a tough proposition. They're both great cities. They're both great NBA cities in their time, and you know, it'd be great to have teams in both of those cities. It's going to be, a, I think, it's going to be a hard decision uh, for the NBA to figure out which way to go.
5: No, I agree with you, Tim. I agree. I mean, listen, it's. Uh the saga has gone on for more than two years now. You know, you, there was the Anaheim chapter where it seemed like the team was going to go to Southern California, and then obviously they thought they had an arena deal to keep the team in Sacramento uh, last February, and then this chapter, and it is. It's a tough decision and one that we didn't think was even going to get to this point when Seattle struck a deal with the Malus to hold on to the team, or to, to buy the team. Rather, you know, it seemed like it was a, a foregone conclusion, and, and right now, I, I'm with you. I, I would probably just call it a toss-up. Um, I do think that the, over time, I've, I've learned that the power of incumbency is pretty great in terms of the way the, I think the NBA looks at the situation. And I do think that if, you know, this is a, a major if, but if Sacramento can successfully convince them that uh, the arena plan that they have in place will actually come to fruition without delays, without obstacles... Uh, you know i think that's probably the the biggest factor here Cause i think david stern said yesterday that now that the money is not an issue on the offer we don't know all the specifics of how much cash is on the table from sacramento but to hear stern say that the money is not an issue that's significant um but again i it's uh it's a toss up and something the league has never seen before
1: you know it's really interesting and here here's a a an idea that I haven't seen anyone put down in print, I and mean, someone might have, and, I, and maybe I missed it. But George Maloof, according to your article yesterday, is, is saying, hey, you know, we want to go ahead with the Seattle deal. Uh, to me, can he work the room and go to a lot of the new owners, including, of course, the Warriors have new owners, the Wizards have new owners, Charlotte has relatively new owners, Memphis has new ownership, and say, you know what, hey, we voted for your sale Vote for the sale that I want here. You know, I'm calling in my chips now because I'm I'm getting out. Can you vote for my sale here? Can he work the room that way?
5: Yeah, no doubt, no doubt, and I'm sure they are. Um, you know, listen, I there, I had heard you know stuff like that all along that the Maloofs were quietly campaigning, um, and even this is you know the cynic in me, but and this is you know a little bit uncouth to admit that I thought this way, but when Jerry Bus passed away, and I heard that the Maloose went out of their way to go to his memorial and then heard that they had a lot of good conversations with Jeannie Buss. I'd be lying if I didn't say in the back of my head. I'm like, oh, I wonder if they they mentioned the fact that she's on the relocation committee. Uh, you know, there's that stuff is going on. I just think that, to piggyback on your chips analogy, I don't know if they have any chips left within the ownership circles. Uh, I don't think their name is, is uh, you know, what it was. A few years ago, uh, and I can't pretend to know all the ins and outs of all the relationships with the different owners. I just don't know how much influence it would, you know, come with uh, to have those conversations. But the the general premise that owners do, uh, you know, they they don't want to set a precedent that uh, owners getting in other owners' way is legitimate. Um, And so, again, that goes back to why it's a toss-up. I mean, that's a real factor, but then I would probably counter that by saying, What's, what's fascinating is technically Sacramento and its people and city officials and, and this group, they, do, they only need eight owners. That's probably one of the more underreported parts of the story is you need a 75% approval for a sale, which means the bottom line is they've got to convince eight owners that it's worth blocking Seattle to do Sacramento.
1: So if if they get the, if they get close, do they they lock themselves in the room? Is it going to be like white smoke or gray smoke? I mean, is it... <laughs>
5: <laughs> green smoke or purple smoke? Yeah, yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, well, that was the news of the day yesterday too. Was that in terms of locking themselves in the room and where's this going to go? Uh, we thought the finish line was going to be April eighteenth and nineteenth at board of governors, and and then here you have David Stern admitting that this is such a complex situation that it may take a little more time. Um, But then he was real quick to acknowledge that they can't take too much time. You're talking about, you know, the logistics of trying to get the team in whichever city it's going to go to for next season. I mean, there's a whole other conversation to be had about the ripple effect on the team itself. You have personnel decisions that are on hold because of this situation. You have, you know, all sorts of moving parts that aren't moving at all because, the whole thing is at a standstill. So it's it's something
1: else. Sam, why would George Maloof uh, back the Seattle deal? Are, are there other reasons involved other than he feels obligated because they agreed to a bill of sale?
5: Yeah, I mean, I can't. I'll give you my best educated guess. I I wonder, first of all, this is like the not as sexy of a narrative, but maybe could could be taking place. You mentioned the bill of sale. I haven't seen the deal with my own eyes, and you do wonder you know, is is any of this legal? You know, he comes out and supports the agreement that he agreed to take part in publicly, and so maybe if he's concerned at any point of getting sued, if the NBA gives the team to Sacramento, who knows? Maybe the Seattle people tell him, you know, well, you didn't back us. You sat there on the sidelines, you know, pretending that you didn't make this agreement. Who knows if there's a legal component? Um, Other stuff that comes to mind is, You know, the bad blood between Kevin Johnson and the Maloofs, you know, he's certainly, Kevin has certainly tried to mend those fences recently and said a lot of nice things about the Maloofs publicly, but they have certainly had, you know, the worst of times for most of the time. Um, And, you know, no love lost between those two sides. I think, you know, I don't know where they're at with him. Uh, Ron Burkle, the guy who's heading up, the, he's a lead investor for the Arena Project in Sacramento, is another guy. That the Maloofs have not been real shy about their distaste for him, mainly because when they didn't want to sell the team, he had come out publicly said that he really wanted to buy it. They took that, you know, they thought that was offensive, uh, that he was coming on too strong, and and so that's you know another you know some of the buzz that's out there is that they would prefer not to sell to the group that included him. So not sure which one of those um, you know leads to George doing what he did. Maybe a combination of all three. Um but it was interesting. I mean they sat in on both meetings, but like you said, the key thing is that George sat up and, and gave this, you know, somewhat impassioned plea on behalf of the Seattle group.
1: David Stern said yesterday that there's a possibility this could go longer and pass the Board of Governors meetings which come right at the end of the season. Uh do you think we're into a process where we might, you know, see this resolved in May, maybe Memorial Day?
5: Yeah, I mean I could see a couple of weeks getting added to it, um, but again, I just can't see too much. You're talking about, obviously, you know, the draft is coming in June, and pre-draft camp is, and I'm forgetting, I go every year, but, I, you know, it's, it's right in that time frame. Um, there's so much work to be done on the basketball side that, you know, all of a sudden you're going to have a team that's way, way, way behind the eight ball on doing its work. So I could see a couple weeks getting added, but probably not much more um and while that seems like you know a, a really big deal right now I think if you're David Stern in the league you're obviously looking at this like this is this is a pretty major decision you know they've had more relocation in the NBA than they wanted and I think that still colors their judgment a little bit they would prefer not to have more but you know it's obviously a decision that uh, whichever way it goes is, is going to last for a long time
1: Sam always a pleasure to uh, chat with you thanks so much for the update
5: no problem guys thanks to
1: Sam Amick of USA Today. Let's get to a couple of your comments on Twitter. Warriors Vox. Warriors V O X. We had a couple of questions involving as Steph Curry's hip wasn't an issue. He kind of, I think he banged his tailbone last night, uh, falling down on the floor and then just kind of grimaced off the floor. I don't think it was anything serious. Just a little bump and a bruise from last night's game. Now Bliss M ninety eight seventy wants to know if the Warriors clinch a playoff spot with games left in the year, do they sit Curry and Bogut or play them and get a higher seed? I think you have to play that on a game-by-game basis. I think if if you're in the playoffs, and you have a chance to get a higher seed, and in this case for the Warriors, it's pretty simple. One and two in the West is going to be San Antonio and Oklahoma City. I think you want to a try to avoid those teams at all costs if you can. And I think you play it by ear. If you think you're going to be better off in the playoffs with some rest for Curry and Bogut, then you go ahead and rest them. But I think if you have a chance of staying in the number six spot, I think then you go ahead and uh, and play those guys. If you're in a game where it doesn't matter, or if you've already clinched a particular seed, then I think you go ahead and sit them down and rest them and to get their legs fresh and ready for the postseason. But I, I think always you play to win. I think always you want to be the higher seed if you can. Thank you for your questions. We try to get to as many as we can. Warriors Vox, Warriors V-O-X on Twitter, or emails at TROY, Roy, at warriors.com. When we continue the conversation with Hall of Famer Isaiah Thomas on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Up and good, David Lee getting to wherever he wants to go on the floor
0: and knocking everything down. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Cries again. Makes again. He owns the night, Isaiah
1: Give to Isaiah, why not? Isaiah gets two, He shoots over him from twenty. It's good! I don't believe what I'm seeing. Here on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable, I Tim Roy in Phoenix Warriors and the Suns. That comes your way tomorrow night at 630 on CamBR680. A pleasure right now to welcome in Hall of Famer, current NBA TV analyst Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah, thank you so much for coming on the show and, and how are you tonight?
4: I am doing great. How are you doing?
1: Not too bad. Not too bad at all. It's, it's a great time. You know, the Warriors are playing well. They're heading for the postseason, and uh, it, it's always uh, great to get to April because you know the playoffs are right around the corner, and there's so many great moments that we're going to see this year. Uh, what, what goes through your mind at this time of the year after being away from the game for a while? Well,
4: well just like you, uh, play, playoff basketball is, is one of the most exciting times uh uh, of sports, um, you know, for all of us sports junkies, particularly uh, NBA. And you, you look forward to the matchups, um, the coaching strategies, um, the player execution, uh, those things you, you look for. And you and you always know that there's going to be one great moment in one of these playoff series that stands out.
1: As we head there, of course, Miami's coming off that incredible win streak and, and just a, an amazing uh, streak for Miami. The what trait do you see with the Heat, having played on championship teams and great teams yourself? What trait do they have that they have in common, say, with the great teams of the past?
4: Well, they can they can really score the ball, uh, and they can they can score it from any area of the floor. Uh, they can they can score it from the perimeter. Uh, they can go inside and, and play interior. Uh, they can they can beat you from the foul line. Um, so their ability to score the ball uh, in the last three to four minutes is always key. Uh, and defensively, they can stop you from scoring. And if, and if they can't stop you from scoring, they can keep up with you by scoring the basketball. Uh, you know, with James and Wade and Bosh, every time down, you know they're going to get a good shot. So that, that's the most impressive thing to me about them that, that relates and compares to the other championships.
1: You know, having played on, on the, the the bad boy Pistons that won in 89 and 90, and, you know, it, it took that group a, a, a few years to come together, get all the right personnel assembled, and then you guys, you know, gelled and, 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 and won your titles. You I look at LeBron, did he have to go through the same thing to maybe get the right cast and to maybe learn how he needs to play to raise the level of his team? Do you have to go through that learning curve in the NBA?
4: You know, winning, winning an NBA championship is one of the hardest things that any of these uh, professional players will ever have to do in their lives, um, you know, and and it's not easy to find the right mix, it's not easy to find the right players to play with, uh, the right coach um, for your style, and also, uh, you know, the right city. So a lot of things really have to fall into place uh, for you, um, you know, for someone's Michael LeBron, who's you know is a rare talent in our league, uh, for everything to fall into place for him, um, you know it's 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 a lot more complicated than it is for for some others. Um, you know, I had Magic Johnson uh, going to another team and not play with Abdul Jabbar, had Bird not going to Boston, you know, I, you know everything's you know it all it's all about timing, uh, coaching. Uh, management, everything has to fall into place for you, and for LeBron, it all has.
1: Hall of Famer Isaiah Thomas with us on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable line, Tim Roy. Isaiah, uh, other than, say, Miami, who do you like heading into this postseason? What teams have caught your eye?
4: Well, the way the Knicks are playing uh, right now, uh, they're, you know, they're streaking at the right moment. Um, They're healthy. They got everybody playing well, and, um, you know, I, I like their playoff experience, even though they haven't played together in playoff moments before all of those guys have had a playoff experience, uh, and some have had uh, championship moments when you talk about Jason Kidd, uh, so I'd like, you know, where, where New York is at right now. And over in the West, um, I mean, you can, you can, you know, there's four or five teams, you know, from San Antonio to Oklahoma, um, to the Clippers, uh, golden state uh, Memphis i mean any any one of those teams can can get hot and and come out, uh, so you know the, the series in the West are all you know pressure packed series, and you know there's going to be great basketball played in the in the Western Conference in terms
0: of playoffs
1: yeah, no doubt about that. I think the West is going to be a, the western champion may be just a survivor, it may be the team that survives the West, I think with the the balance that they have out there you know there, there's so many uh, uh great point guards i wanted to get to that with you because you know, i talked to mark jackson about this once in a while and and you know i get him to talk about some of the the point guards in the league and 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 which ones are your favorites uh right now
4: well you have to start out with with paul uh because he he seems to have uh the most control of his offense in terms of knowing where his players are his teammates are on the floor and understanding how to get the most out of them in any given situation. Um, so his his reads are impeccable uh, during the course of a game. And you know if Derrick Rose was healthy, you know you would definitely have to put him in the mix. He's a former MVP. Um, and then I, I like where you know you look at Curry and you and you say his improvement and his maturation. At the point guard position, has been just as spectacular as anyone. He can score the ball from the position. I think he's getting a better handle and a better understanding of how to how to get teammates involved and how to get teammates baskets at crucial times and uh, points of the game. You know, San Antonio always has Parker, and he's been uh, you know one of the standard bearers in the league for a long time. Uh, so there, there are a lot of good guards playing, uh, in the playoffs. Uh, those three, uh, I'm pretty, you know, intrigued by and, and to see how well they'll do. I think Westbrook will be Westbrook. Um, he's been spectacular, um, you know, during the course of his career and I, I think he'll always play well in the playoffs. He'll have his, his moments where, you know, he may make a mistake or two, but he definitely, uh, compensates for the mistakes that he makes. Uh, by doing something good. On the other
1: hand, he's a spectacular athlete, and, and he's got a great will about him. I love watching him play. Uh, do you have any any stories or, or any memories about playing against the head coach of the Warriors, Mark Jackson?
4: Uh, I, I remember Mark was a, a great, you know, post up player, um, and he was an exceptional passer out of the post. You know, the, to me, out of all the the point guards, when you when you look at that that list of, uh, you know, the top five uh, who've had the most assists in our league, Mark Jackson to me has done more with less than probably any other point guard that's ever played the position. And what I mean by more with less, um, he wasn't as fast as, you know, Stockton or Magic Johnson or myself. He, uh, you know, wasn't a better athlete in terms of jumping, uh, but, you know, his his intellect and his intelligence, which is showing now as a coach, you know, you you have to rank him as you know one of the smartest players to ever play the position because everything that he did uh, was from the neck up and not from the neck down.
1: Yeah, it's interesting you, you say that, and, and because you know he is trying to, to kind of install some of that with his team this year. You know, at what point in your career did you really feel that you had a handle on um, playing point guard? See, i, I view
4: the point guard position uh, different than um, than um, you know the, I guess you would say the structuralist uh, view it in terms of how it's supposed to be played. I, you know, I, I look at basketball and as a player, you know, you you, you got to be you, you're responsible for being able to operate in any area of the floor, you know, whether it be in the post, whether it be on the perimeter. You know, defensively, you got to be able to defend 94 feet, and you know, so as a as a guard and as a player, your job is to be able to be, you know, functional and efficient in any any area of the floor. So I don't necessarily look at it like the structuralist will look at it and say you're only supposed to do A, B, C, and D. Uh, I think that position requires you to do everything and. And we just talked about Mark Jackson. You know, he. when you asked me about him, the first thing I said was he was a great post-up player. And, um, you know, that position, you got to be able to do everything.
1: It's interesting because it has evolved now into an everything position. They have got some scoring points now, but they kind of do, do it all. They score, they pass, they distribute, they get into the offense. Uh, they kind of do it all. We're talking with Isaiah Thomas, and uh, that's a it's a really interesting conversation because, uh, when we talk with guys like Jim Barnett, who's our television analyst, or Walt Frazier, uh, with the New York Knicks, you know they say, "Hey, we didn't have point guards; we used to have guards." You know, you just you had to play; you had to know how to play. And I think I think we may, with the with in one sort of way, with the scoring point getting into the game so much now, maybe we're getting back to that a little bit, where the guards are interchangeable and not so much point guard, you know, off guard, and one, two, three, four, and five.
4: Well, I've I've always rejected the constructed box that the point guard has been relegated to and um you know i you know i i've always wanted to know who who was the person who gave the definition to point guard and who relegated uh, those terms that he can only abide by in that box because i i totally reject that constructed box and if I wouldn't, if I never would have been the
1: player that I became, an outstanding player that you were, of course, Hall of Famer and numerous All Stars appearances, two-time All-Star MVP Finals MVP, and you know one of the great things about my job, Isaiah, I get to talk basketball with people like you all the time, and 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 uh, in conversation before our game uh, this year, Rick Mahorn in Detroit was talking about the camaraderie you guys had with the, the, the Pistons. And, you know, if you can believe it's going to be what, 25 years next year? Yeah. Since the first trial, that's, that's, that's crazy. It's gone so quickly, but the, uh, the Warriors have a little bit of that this year with their chemistry and granted they're not, they're not the team that, that you had there. I mean, that was a great assembled team, with you know, Vinnie Johnson yourself and, you know, Lambeer and Mulhorn and Sally and everybody else, but, uh, how much does that go for in terms of, of creating a winning atmosphere? How much is having a good locker room? What what does that help in terms of winning games in the NBA?
4: Well, you win games in the NBA. You If you don't understand the locker room and you don't understand the bus ride or the plane ride, uh, then you don't know the NBA. <laughs> I mean, because that's, that's where you win and lose games at, you know. The, the strategy is one thing; the practices are another. But if if you don't understand uh, how that locker room works, um, how the training room, the bus rides, and the planes—if you don't understand that environment and that atmosphere—then it's very almost impossible for you to win. And um, once those once those places are sanitized, um, then you can have healthy play out on the floor. But if you don't have a sanitized plane, bus ride, and locker room, then there's no way you can have a healthy team that, that plays and functions well.
1: That's interesting. Very interesting comment there. Um, just a couple. I know you got to go, a couple of quick questions. Other than being probably the best-dressed coach of all time, uh, what made Chuck Daly so good?
4: Uh, those things I just said. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he... You know, we, as you can see, we had a lot of different personalities on our team. Uh, and he let us, um, there, there was, there was no, there was no constructed box for Dennis Rodman. You know, when, when the rest of the league was playing post-up basketball, he was playing with, with three small guards and everybody was playing post-up and, uh, we were playing our pick and roll and we won the championship playing pick-and-roll, and now the whole league has gravitated to that point in terms of playing pick-and-roll basketball. Um, you know, we we did some things uh, defensively that were pretty unique, and the rest of the league uh, copied his style defensively. So uh, he had a big impact on the game in terms of his offensive uh, thoughts and his defensive thoughts.
1: Final question for you, and... and you knew that you were a, a good player and, and becoming a, a man and being a good player. St. Joe's High School, playing for Bobby Knight, Indiana, national title, Final Four MVP. You go and you win two NBA championships. You've been an executive and a coach in this league now. I mean, is that ever, in a quiet moment at all, ever have you had a chance to sit down and, like, does that does that sink in as time passes?
4: It, it, it hasn't uh, yet um, because I... I, I still feel like I'm I'm right in the middle of um, a long basketball career, and even though I've I've accomplished a lot. I still feel that there's so much more yet to be done.
1: Well said. We appreciate your thoughts uh, tonight on the show, and and, uh, hopefully uh, somewhere down the trail we'll be able to bump into each other at a game. And uh, thank you for your contribution to the NBA.
4: You're welcome, and thank you for having me.
1: Well, what a pleasure and an honor to talk to Isaiah Thomas, NBA TV analyst, Hall of Famer, former Detroit Piston, former executive with the New York Knicks, and of course a national champion at Indiana. And, of course, you can hear that interview in its entirety on our SoundCloud page at soundcloud.com backslash warriors. And you can go there for any of the interviews you hear on this show and any of the audio that we obtain for warriors.com. I, Tim Roy, would continue with the show with this reminder. Warriors Basketball Camp is offering a very special overnight camp session featuring Stephen Curry in Pebble Beach this August. The special overnight camp is for boys and girls ages 9 through 16, and less than 40 spots remain. Register online tonight, or for complete details, go to warriors.com slash currycamp. We continue on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable, a look ahead to the schedule. We're in Phoenix. The Warriors take on the Suns tomorrow night. We'll check that out when we come back on KBR 680, the sports leader. Damn. I can't believe you. are unbelievable. Unbelievable.
0: We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable.
1: Hey, it's time now to wrap up the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. I'm Tim Roy. I look ahead to our upcoming broadcast tomorrow night down in the Valley of the Sun. Warriors and the Phoenix Suns. Golden State going toward the series sweep of the 2012-2013 season. The Suns are banged up, but they're still dangerous Because of Goran Dragic. Morris looks cross-court. Dragic is there in the corner. Dragic now pulls back a three. Suzanne. Oh-ho! Three-pointers are flying. Not for Portland, for the Suns. Warriors in Phoenix. pregame show starts at 6.30 on KMBR 6.80. Now on Sunday, we go back on to KMBR 10.50. I know it's confusing, but uh, stay with me here. Sunday, we're on KMBR 10.50, and it's a special start time as the Warriors will take on the Utah Jazz 4-30 with the pregame show, 5 o'clock, Tip at Oracle, the early Sunday game. And, of course, when you talk about the Jazz, you talk about one of the best post scorers in the league, and that is Al Jefferson.
0: Jefferson left block. Jazz are not entering it the same way they did earlier tonight. He works to the middle. With the Wheezy and scores it.
1: First 19,000 fans receive a free Warriors t-shirt courtesy of Bug Zappers on Sunday night. Again, special start time, 4.30 in the afternoon, 5 o'clock tip. And again, we go from 680 on Friday, 10.50 on Sunday. So keep that aware. Just hit scan, you'll find us. And then on Tuesday, we're still on KMBR 10.50 as the Warriors welcome the Minnesota Timberwolves and outstanding point guard, Ricky Rubio. Wolves are up by seven. A lob to the rim from Rubio to Karolenko, and he'll flush it through for two. Tabtober, once again, we'll sit in on the broadcast. Start at 7 o'clock with the pregame show. And again, we're on KBR 1050 on a Tuesday night, so Friday 680, Sunday and Tuesday 1050. Stay with us. We'll try to remind you as often as we can so you can stay updated on the Warriors' playoff push. And, of course, that Wednesday night, it's the weekly roundtable again. 8 o'clock is our start time on KBR 680. Tickets still available for the Utah Jazz game and the Minnesota Timberwolves game. You can get them early and save at warriors.com dynamic or call one 888 gsw hoop. And again, the magic number is down to three for the Golden State Warriors to get to the postseason. I, Tim Roy, thanking my guests this hour. I want to thank Harrison Barnes for coming by and having a great conversation. Sam Amick of USA Today for updating us on the relocation issue involving the Sacramento Kings and Hall of Famer Isaiah Thomas. My producer is R.C. Davis. Dave Feldhouse at the controls here at KMBR 680. I, Tim Roy, have a great night. And again, Warriors and Sons tomorrow night here in Phoenix from the Valley of the Sun, 6.30 the start time on KMBR 680, the sports leader.
0: Golden State Warriors basketball.
1: It's a four-on-three. The trailer's Curry right side. Fires away. Three ball.
0: For tickets, go to warriors.com or call 1-888-GSW-HOOP.